You're listening to the Broncos Audio Zone. Thank you for joining us here on the Neutral Zone. I am Phil Milani, joined as always by my trusty sidekick and partner in crime. Really, the best way to describe this person is he's just my everything. That's at Eric Delala. Phil, I'm, I'm beginning to miss you. <laughs> I know. Uh, we're having to do the podcast over the phone. Eric is uh, on a speakerphone, and I've got a microphone held up to that. So that's the uh, technology we're working with. Pretty high tech. <laughs> yeah, pretty advanced kind of stuff here on the neutral zone. Um, we're recording this on a Tuesday afternoon. Hope that uh, everyone has been staying safe out there uh, with all the coronavirus stuff. Um, how's isolation been treating you, Eric? Pretty good. My dog's a big fan. Yeah. A lot of uh, human interaction for the dogs. Yeah, that might be the uh, the one bright side, you know, some, some uh, pets that are very happy to have their, their owners around. Exactly. So uh, we're recording this uh, the day before the new league year is set to begin officially. We've got a uh, great show in store for you. The Broncos uh, reportedly agreed to terms with Graham Glasgow. Uh, Broncos focusing on offensive line. We'll touch on that a little bit. Plus, uh, we'll talk about DeMarcus Ware. Erica, you had a chance to talk with him. Uh, pretty cool interview uh, coming up there. Yeah, he uh, the main main topic there, of course, the 2014 free agent class with uh, him, Akeem Talib, Emmanuel Sanders, and T.J. Ward. So talk to talk to Demarcus there about a couple of other topics as well. He's always a a great guy to to speak with. Yeah, so uh, a one on one with Demarcus Ware. Plus, then we'll get into a reported trade. Andy Janovich uh, traded to the Cleveland Browns reportedly. Uh, we'll dive into that. Plus uh, maybe a couple of guys that were on the Broncos' radar that reportedly have uh, agreed to terms elsewhere. We'll uh, touch on Tom Brady reportedly being uh, a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Eric, does that, uh, yeah, is that weird? What? Yeah, that's going to take some getting used to. Uh no longer in the AFC. That's the that's the big point, I think. Yes, and I think now the because he has a losing record against the Broncos, they'd have to meet him in the Super Bowl to win another one. You know. Well, the the Broncos will play him next season, though. In Denver. In Denver. So, who knows what's going to happen? Um. Plus, then, uh, Eric, you are, you've been busy doing our things. Uh, you you talked to uh, Brandon McManus. Yeah, he uh, he and the Broncos made a donation this week to Food Bank of the Rockies, so I caught up with him about that. And then also the CBA was passed this previous weekend. Last time we were on the neutral zone, we were waiting to hear the outcome of the vote. So Brandon waited on that, and then also his option that the Broncos picked up. So, yeah, just lots of our things going on. Even we're at home, you know, we can't be in the building, not around the buzz, but ours never stop. Exactly. Working from home, you, you're you not just like 
waking up and hanging out in your sweatpants all day. You've put on your boots and you got to work. Yeah, boots and a suit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pretty much standard attire for ours. Exactly. That's uh, kind of what you what you just got to do it, you know? That's what you've come to expect here on the neutral zone. Just a lot of R type of thing. So, um, Erica, let's just dive in here. Tell us about who Graham Glasgow is. Yeah, Graham Glasgow, a former offensive lineman for the Detroit Lions, played mostly center last year and has played some right guard, some left guard. And really, I think what the Broncos are trying to do there is just shore up that offensive line, make sure you've got some protection for Drew Locke. And when I when I think offensive line, Phil, I want some some nasty guys, um, but you also want guys that are consistent. And if Glasgow is anything, he's consistent. He's allowed only one sack over the previous two years, three penalties last year, only one holding call, which I know Broncos fans will like. And perhaps most importantly, you know, he's been healthy. He started 31 of the last 32 games for Detroit, um, and he got better every season, according to Pro Football Focus. So he should be a great addition to that line and could make an immediate impact. Yeah, and you knew that the Broncos were going to look to uh, address, you know, whether it's center or right guard. Uh, you knew that they had to address that spot there. And this guy, he has a mustache, I believe. And uh I I like that in my offensive lineman. I like a little bit of a a grit to him. He seems like he's got a dry personality, some humor there. Uh, that's what I like in my offensive lineman. And uh, he's a Michigan man, so I know that Matt Boyer is going to be a little hyped up about that. Yeah, that's the only real negative I would say. Yeah, exactly, exactly. We can't have too many Michigan men, but uh, I think he'll be a welcome addition to the offensive line. Uh, but yeah, I think that you want durability. We heard a lot about durability from Vic Fangio, his first year as Broncos head coach, just wanting guys to be available. And we talked about that, uh, Eric, the best ability is availability. Of course. And that, I mean, Vic Fangio has talked about that with Garrett Bowles before, but I think obviously, uh, going to be some changes there on the offensive line we don't know exactly where glasgow will line up connor mcgovern reportedly agreed to terms with the new york jets earlier um you know we thought going into free agency that maybe he could be back but there's going to be at least one i guess two new starters now with glasgow on that line um does he go to center and elijah wilkinson who they tendered on tuesday does he go to right guard um, you think Jawan James, Dalton Reisner, and Garrett Bowles are pretty set in their spots for now. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what the Broncos do with that last spot. Do they sign another veteran in free agency? Do they go after a guy in the draft? Um, you know, a lot still up in the air there, but I think signing Glasgow at least helps get you closer to having a really solid starting five. And with Mike Munchak as the offensive line coach, he's going to, I think, help him take the next step as well. Yeah, and that's a, that's a major thing is to note that like at, since the start of last season, the Broncos have really paid a lot of attention to the offensive line. Uh, going after Mike Munchak, they have probably the best offensive line coach in the entire NFL. They drafted Dalton Reisner, and so they've made a big commitment toward the offensive line, and reportedly their first free agent that they're going to bring in here, offensive line. So I trust... Munchak looking at the tape 
and you know his connections throughout the league. I trust if he thinks that this guy's going to be a good guy to plug and play, then I trust I trust him on that. Exactly. Yeah, and I think that um, whenever you have a guy that's trending upward, that's always a good sign, and maybe that's an obvious thing to say. But as our head coach Vic Fangio has told me in the past, I do have an eye for the obvious. So that is true, Eric. You you do sometimes uh, ask those types of questions. Exactly. But no, like I mentioned before, his best season came last year. Um, he's gotten better each and every year. Has that positional versatility that, you know, when Dalton Reisner was drafted, we heard that he could potentially move around. Um, and something I like about Glasgow is that we talked about Joe Tooney on the podcast earlier in the week. Um, he's a guy that you would have had to make a decision about if you wanted to move Garrett, or excuse me, move Dalton Reisner. And with Glasgow, you don't have to make that decision. And so I like that you'll be able to keep Dalton where he is um, and add another strong player. And when we talk about the NFL, having strength on the line of scrimmage is important. And if Glasgow pays off, if Jawan James come back, comes back healthy, you could have a, a good starting five that could be there for several years. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I think the flexibility you touched on there is crucial in case – you have an injury or something like that later on in the season. If if I were to just guess right now, I would guess that Glasgow is going to be the center, and I bet you that they go after somebody in the draft to be able to play right guard, uh, if I were to just guess right now. Yeah, I think that's um, – or you could you know slot Elijah Wilkinson in there at right guard. He'll probably also be your swing tackle. But I think – the last few years we've kind of gotten down to the end of the year and it's like, well, the depth on the offensive line isn't great and they're, who are you going to, you know, fill in for? But I think tendering Elijah Wilkinson shouldn't be underrated because he's a guy that we thought maybe could be a starter and now it looks like if you draft somebody, he could be that backup. And so I, I feel pretty good about the state of the offensive line, um, you know, depending on who this this final person is. Yeah. And I think that playing center, that's such a cerebral spot where you've got to know what's going on uh, on the defense. You've got to be able to recognize protections and that kind of thing. I, I would probably guess that they'd rather have uh, a guy heading into his fifth season in the NFL play that position rather than right guard. Yeah, I think that that makes a lot of sense. And find a guy that you can pair with Drew Locke and let them grow together. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, yeah, the Broncos uh, reportedly uh, saying goodbye to Connor McGovern as he heads to the New York Jets. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they piece things together along the offensive line. We know that uh, really a lot of times if you win up front in the trenches, that's how you'll win some uh, games. We saw the Tennessee Titans do a lot of that in the postseason last year. Erica, what about the other side of the ball? You had a chance to catch up with DeMarcus Ware. Yeah, DeMarcus, uh, he obviously came to the Broncos in 2014 after a stellar career in Dallas, and they kind of decided, hey, we're going to move on, and DeMarcus had plenty left in the tank. He sat down with me to talk about that class of 2014 and to share some light on Bradley Chubb and Vaughn Miller. DeMarcus, thanks for joining us. Hey, thank you guys for inviting me on. DeMarcus, with uh, free agency here, 
you know, the 2014 class for the Broncos was probably one of the best of all time for any team. You know, you had you, Aqib Talib, Emmanuel Sanders, TJ Ward. Let's go back there for a second. And for you, as you entered free agency for the first time in your career, what was it that drew you to the Broncos? The thing is, there were one. This there. There was one thing that really drew me to the Broncos, and that was winning a championship. Knowing that a lot of things were already in place with Peyton being there, uh, they already had like a top five defense. But I knew that there were a, a, a couple of things that were missing, uh, which were uh, some leadership there, and maybe uh, someone with a little bit more bite. And what I mean by that, sometimes when you win so many games and you get to the championships and you take for granted that you can't ever get back there again. And, uh, you know, the Denver Broncos, they were used to winning and getting to that point, but I feel like they needed that edge, that that sword to get them to where they needed to be. And uh, for me in my career, you know that I maybe made the playoffs one time I was so used to losing, and I got tired of it. And so I came to the Denver Broncos with that type of edge that I feel like the team needed. And uh, and it got us to the point of, of winning Super Bowl 50. For someone, for a fan who's never been in free agency before, can you give them kind of a look at what that pitch is like to you uh, from John Elway and saying, hey, man, we need you out here? You know, um, coming from the Dallas Cowboys when they released me, it was one of those things where uh, talking to Elway, it's one of those business opportunities because you got to think about it always as a business. I know it's a sport, but it's also a business that when Elway calls me and he says, Demarcus, I know uh, there are some missing pieces on the team. And th- on the defense, you are that missing piece. You got Vaughn Miller coming back uh, off of a injury. You, uh, we're trying to get a, a key to leave. We're trying to get TJ Ward, uh, just to name a few guys. And uh, we need some veteran guys to really come in and take leadership on our defense. And he would say, we have Peyton and, you know, we, uh, you know, with Emmanuel Sanders and just to name a few guys with Julius Thomas at the time. Uh, so we have everybody on defense. And I feel like if we can get, we, he always said the sheriff and the deputy <laughs> uh, on offense and defense. I feel that we will have everything in place to win the championship. And um, and he said, I know that you still have at least three more years in you. And uh, I would like to really offer you a contract because I know that you're going to give it everything you got. And when you got a guy that's played before and that's telling you that, it's actually reassuring to you that um, – you, you get like a little bit of a rebirth almost because when you're at the tail end of your career and someone tells you what you can do, you want somebody just, it only takes one person to spark that, that edge again to say, you know what, you still got it. And uh, that's what Elway did for me. Now, obviously, I, I believe Talib signed first and you guys, I know you've talked about this before, you were on the same flight out to Denver. What was that like when you noticed him over there and how much uh, how much did you pay attention to what some of these other guys were doing? Um, I was paying attention to, you know, maybe guys that were going to get signed in certain places. I think Julius Peppers, will. Um, he had just signed with, I think, Green Bay at the time. And I said, well, you know, where am I going next? Because I knew that I knew that I was on the chopping block. But then I got on the plane and I saw Keith Tlaib. And I didn't know anything about 
you know, Akeem Talib coming to the Denver Broncos. And I thought to myself, is he going to try to sign in Denver? I said, okay, well, then if I can get Chris Harris and Akeem Talib on the same team, that means that I have at least one more second to get to the quarterback. <laughs> and then I also said if I can also get right with Vaughn, we can be the best tandem ever at the outside linebacker position to play together. And I was already sold after that. And I remember sitting in the bathroom and Akeem Tlaib was getting dressed in the bathroom and I was getting dressed as well. You know, you put on your, your nice gear and, you know, your suit to make sure you're presentable at the time uh, to the owners and uh, also to the press if you were going to sign at that time. So you need to be prepared. And I remember when we were sitting in the bathroom, I looked at Akeem and Akeem looked at me <laughs> and we smiled at each other because we knew exactly what we had to do. And uh, that, that was one of those cool moments that I knew it was that time. And uh, TJ Ward then joined you guys. Emmanuel Sanders joined. And, you know, uh, it took a year, but that that postseason of 2015, you've got a huge fumble recovery, a couple of sacks. TJ's got a pick, recovers a fumble in the Super Bowl. Tlaib's locking guys up all year. Emmanuel's dominant. All four of you guys end up as pro bowlers. Looking back now, what was it like to be a part of that class that, you know, the team probably doesn't win a Super Bowl without you guys? You know, being part of that class was an opportunity for me uh, that I can never get back again. And I never take, I never would take that for granted. I feel like that was, for me, the best defense I've ever played on um, from a team camaraderie standpoint, from a guys wanting to play. Um, it was one of those memories that's going to that's going to last forever, especially with a monumental Super Bowl Fifty championship, to where I can open up each and every day, open that box up and see that Super Bowl ring, and know how hard each one of us worked um, throughout the season from injuries and ups and downs that we had. We all stayed together because we had one thing in one mentality, and that was to win a championship. And you guys built a brotherhood, too, I'm sure. Yeah, we uh, we did. Um, our motto that year of Super Bowl 50 was iron sharpens iron and another man sharpens another. And we really didn't, we knew what that meant before um, the season started. We had that motto during OTAs and mini camp and training camp. And it was crazy, but that year, Everybody stuck with that motto of, you know, each person being for for another. And uh, when me, me and Peyton got hurt that year, a couple of other guys got hurt that year, but we were still winning football games. We um, didn't think that we can be stopped. It, it didn't matter the name that was on your jersey. We were a living witness of ourselves that the hard work we did in the off season actually paid off during the season. And um, when, when me and Peyton came back, it was like full steam ahead after that. And that brotherhood that we gained from just the turmoil and anguish that we had during the season, we still have that now, and it's going to last forever. Well, and you guys, like you mentioned, have that Super Bowl ring that will 
also last forever. And I know Broncos fans won't forget that. DeMarcus, uh, after you retired, you came back and worked a little bit with the Broncos uh, as a pass rush consultant. One of the guys you worked with, Bradley Chubb, tore his ACL here last year and is working his way back. I don't think you ever had the, the kind of season-ending injury that he did in the NFL, but what's the key to just coming back from an injury in general and, and coming back better than before? You know, the thing is, it's the mentality of I can't be stopped. And I know that Bradley Chubb, he has that mentality. No matter what type of injury you have, you can come back forward from it if you work hard enough. And uh, I know he's going to come back stronger. I mean, just from talking to him, I mean, he's working out really, really hard. Um, even for me being a, a pass rush consultant there with the Denver Broncos, I knew that he was going to be special. And you can see year after year, he actually improved like monumentally. And uh, now I know that, especially with Vaughn going through an injury like that as well, I know Vaughn is actually there teaching him and telling him, hey, this is how and what I did coming from this injury. And that's one thing that, you know, a lot of guys don't have is another guy that's actually experienced it. And Vaughn came back even stronger, and I know Bradley Chubb will as well. A couple of years ago, talking about Bradley, you sounded almost like a, a proud dad talking about the way that he was able to set the Broncos' rookie sack record. How eager are you to see him back on the field? I am. Uh, I'm really eager to see him on the field because he, he reminds uh, me of, of myself when I played, but just actually a little bit bigger and stronger. I don't know about faster, but I know uh, bigger and stronger. And uh, just to see him, from coaching him and talking to him and uh, mentoring him to have a guy come back from um, a season ending injury, come back stronger and play even better. That's those one of those things is like that proud dad want to see and, uh, and see him, you know, really excel and do well. You mentioned Vaughn a second ago and toward the end of last season, Vaughn was probably as motivated as I've ever seen him saying, I'm not taking any vacations. I'm going straight back to work when you've seen Vaughn motivated like that before, I'm sure it leads to good things. What do you expect from him going into his 10th season? You know, the thing is I, I expect a lot more consistency, a lot more maturity. Like it started at the end of the season. You can see how when things didn't go right, there wasn't any uh, pointing fingers. It was, let's get the job done. It falls on us. And you can see they improved every single game after a loss. And you can see, Vaughn, how he's working out, you know, a lot earlier, a lot earlier now than he did last year and doing what he needs to do to uh, to lead the team this year. So I, I expect him going into the 10th year. It's one of those things where when you hit the 10th year, they're like, oh, okay, well, then is he, still, he still got it. They, do this, they did the same thing to me. But this is a year for him to prove to everyone, uh, not only am I consistent at what I do, but I also can lead the team to a championship. You mentioned Peyton DeMarcus a few minutes ago, and obviously he kind of energized everybody there on that team. Drew Locke, it seems, has done the same for Vaughn. How much can having a quarterback change things for guys? Um, the, the quarterback is... Um, one of the catalysts on the team that when he's confident, even in uh, times of turmoil, 
that's what keeps the team going because you're going to have those ups and downs. And when you have a quarterback, like no matter what, don't stop, keep his morale going, but also have the tenacity like a defensive player. One of those guys that, you know what, like it's almost like they're cutthroat. That's how cut, that's how Peyton Manning was. And I can see that uh, in the young quarterback they have right now. He didn't stop. And, and you can see how well the team actually gravitated to him because of how much they improved uh, going into the, the latter part of the season. Season. Demarcus, before we let you go, um, what's going on with you? Can you give fans an update? And have you started thinking about 2022 and that potential Hall of Fame induction for you? You know, I, I feel like I put my work in, and uh, I feel like I have had a Hall of Fame career, but it's one of those things where it's, it's out of my hands now, and uh, I did what I needed to do, and I've been here enjoying my family, been getting a lot in fitness and building fitness programs, and you know, got certified in a lot of areas that, you know, enhances, you know, that fitness product, and uh, and also been building gyms, so I launched all of that stuff uh, this year, and um I'm very, very excited. I've been working on it for the last two years. That's why I've been almost in my dormant stage. And uh, hopefully, you know, people will love it. And I'm able to impact people not only in the stadium anymore, but outside of the stadium through fitness. Well, DeMarcus, always a uh, treat to talk with you. One of the Broncos fan favorites, of course. Thanks so much for joining us here. All right, thank you. Phil, DeMarcus there at the end was talking about his Hall of Fame chances. He's eligible in 2022 to join the Pro Football Hall of Fame, get that gold jacket. Got to think he's a pretty safe bet for to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, don't you? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, uh, the sack numbers speak for themselves. He's one of the all-time greats at the position. And uh, above that, he's involved in the media a little bit here and there. He's done a lot of stuff for NFL Network. And he's just been a great guy to work with. So... You, you put all those things together, and uh, to me, that spells first ballot Hall of Famer. Absolutely, and uh, appreciate his time, of course. You know, only there in Denver for three seasons, but, so you know, he's not eligible for the ring of fame as the qualifications stand now, but certainly you can't write Broncos history without DeMarcus. Exactly, uh, and, and you and I have both got to know him, uh, got a chance to know him pretty well here the last... Uh, you know, four or five years here or so. Uh, really enjoy getting a chance to talk to DeMarcus. What was your big takeaway from uh, your conversation there? Um, a couple things. Just I thought, one, him saying that he was that missing piece to the defense was kind of interesting and in that, you know, the, the team was close, but they needed that edge. They needed somebody from outside to, to get him over the top. And I do think DeMarcus helped with that, but you know, it also helps when you add a bunch of good players like Akeem Tlaib and Emmanuel Sanders. And that class is just kind of unprecedented. I don't know if we'll see one with the Broncos again that's like that. Um, you know, maybe in league history. They just added so many talented players. Uh, and then the other thing that stood out to me was him talking about Vaughn Miller and how Vaughn should rebound this season. Uh, he said, anytime you get up there, this is Vaughn's 10th season. People start doubting you, asking if you're too old. Um, DeMarcus obviously proved that he was still, you know, young enough to do it. He got to Denver in his 10th season, had another Pro Bowl appearance, won a ring. So hopefully there's still plenty left in the tank for Von Miller. That's kind of what DeMarcus seems to think. Yeah, I would agree, too, that 
you know, uh, sometimes when you're at the top of your profession, and I think that, you know, Vaughn has definitely been in that position. Sometimes you need a little extra motivation. And now this offseason, I think Vaughn is probably as motivated as ever to return to that peak peak pass rusher in the NFL. There's a lot of doubters out there uh, after what happened this last year or so. Uh, and plus, I've been fall. I don't know if you noticed this, but uh, Vaughn likes to post a lot on Instagram, and uh, uh, he does seem to be uh, in pretty good shape. He does, um, yeah. And you know, it also helps when Bradley Chubb comes back. I mean, we talked about exactly. Vaughn kind of taking a step backwards, but he didn't have Bradley, um, and his best seasons has been when somebody's been on that other side, demanding attention as well. And also when there's somebody there to be a mentor to Vaughn and hopefully DeMarcus is still serving as that because like, for example, I know that you and I went to uh, Washington DC last year when Vaughn Miller received a community award and DeMarcus was the one who presented him. I know that the two of them are still very close and hopefully where can provide some guidance and some leadership here as Vaughn heads into his 10th season. Right. And I also talked with DeMarcus there, as you all heard about Drew Locke and kind of the energy that he could bring to the team. Um, and so maybe that helps, you know, Vaughn take that step as well, because I know it's difficult when you're losing year after year to kind of keep up that that motivation and, you know, give 110%. So maybe with Drew Locke going 4-1, and one, we know how impressed Vaughn was by him. Maybe that helps Vaughn as well. Yeah. Uh, winning definitely helps. Uh we can uh, now shift our attention back to uh, free agency a little bit. You talked about that year that uh, the Broncos were able to get all those great f- free agents. Broncos pretty quiet so far on the free agent front, but one move that they made that maybe didn't catch anybody by too much of a surprise was uh, trading reportedly Andy Janovich to the Cleveland Browns in exchange for a seventh-round pick. Yeah, and I think – this is a tough one for Broncos fans because people love Andy Janovich. Um, you know, he's a, he's quiet. He's a hard worker. He hits people really hard. Um, he's from Nebraska where a lot of Broncos fans live. I know you don't like Nebraska too much, Phil, just because of your CU. Exactly. But yeah. it is true that there are a lot of Broncos fans down there. Up there. But, uh, I think up there in Nebraska. Oh, up in, up up in, in Nebraska. Nebraska. Yeah, exactly. Got it. That's a little confusing to me. <laughs> well, you coming from the South. Right. I just, you know, <laughs> oh, I guess, yeah, okay. I'll, I'll take your word for it. Um, but, yeah, once Rich Scangarello left and Pat Shermer became the offensive coordinator, he doesn't use a fullback as much. And so I think if you use Janovich, it was going to be sparingly, maybe five to ten snaps on offense a game and then a special teams role. And I think even though they weren't paying him a ton, they were still paying him too much for that role, I think. And so this lets Janovich go somewhere where he can have a bigger role, like he's probably expected, you know, going to that Kevin Stefanski system in Cleveland. But then it also gives the Broncos a little bit of extra money back, gives them a roster spot, and it's probably the best for all parties. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that was when uh, Scangarello was let go and they brought in Shermer, that was the on everybody's mind is how are you going to use a fullback and fullback is like one of those positions where it's so scheme dependent 
that if you are suddenly not in that scheme anymore, you don't really have a role. So, you know, we've heard so much about Vic Fangio and Pat Shermer wanting to take shots down the field. That doesn't exactly scream fullback. Right. Certainly not in the way that Shermer runs his offense. And I think the big thing here, Phil, again, is we keep hearing year after year that we want this consistency on offense, on defense, in terms of scheme. This is why, because when you don't have that consistency, then you extend a guy like Janovich, and three months later, he doesn't have a role in your offense. So hopefully, Shermer can put together a system here. They can start to draft some guys that fit that system, fit that blocking scheme, and you're not at the point in two years where you know you've got to adjust. You know, Janovich got to the point where it's like fitting a square peg in a round hole. Exactly, exactly. And it just, uh, if he doesn't fit in the scheme, then you can't really just uh, wait to see what happens. I mean, a lot of people might think, okay, why don't you just keep the guy? He's a good football player. See what happens in training camp or whatever. But if uh, another team is willing to offer you a draft pick, maybe you just cut bait now and and just take think that that's the best that you're going to get. Yeah, it is an interesting time for that to happen because a lot of the time when you see those player-for-pick trades, especially some of those late-round picks, it, it happens near the draft. And so I wonder if, you know, maybe the Broncos, I don't know if Cleveland wanted to, um, you know, fill a need earlier so that they could go into the draft not having to get a fullback or what the reason was. But a lot of the times when you see those late-round swaps, you know, it, it's not this time of year. Yeah, exactly. And uh, we wish Andy Janovich all the best as uh, he continues to uh, bounce back from that nasty elbow injury that we saw take place in Minnesota. Uh, he's been in rehabbing a lot, so I'm sure he's looking forward to the start of next season and maybe a fresh start there in Cleveland. Uh, Eric, I, think he's, oh, I think he's got a new truck to drive out to Cleveland. I think so, too. Yeah, we've heard so much about his truck. And maybe some of the the corn that just f- falls out of the seats and out of the engine right. and stuff. But uh, uh, reportedly, uh, Andy Janovich had purchased a new truck. Reportedly. Reportedly, as is everything that we mention on this <laughs> right. this podcast. At this time of year, everything is reportedly. Reportedly, maybe things will start to become official when the new league year starts. But even then, uh, hard to tell. Exactly. Um, But, uh, Eric, let's get back to free agency a little bit. We thought that the Broncos were going to be pretty aggressive. That's what all the reports out there said, you know, that the Broncos were going to have some money to spend. They were going to be aggressive and go after guys. Uh, We heard a bunch of names out there. Uh, Amari Cooper was a name that we heard. Of course, uh, he's reportedly re-signed with the Dallas Cowboys. And then uh, teams have been quick to... Uh, re-sign and sign defensive linemen. We thought the Broncos were go- were in the market for DJ Reader, one of the uh, top free agent defensive linemen out there, but uh, reportedly uh, missed out on him as well. Yeah, and it sounded like from the reports, Phil, that they were pretty close um, on him. He was, you know, kind of that top defensive lineman target after Chris Jones and Chris Jones never hit the market because he was franchise tagged. Um, but, but reader end up 
going reportedly to Cincinnati. So the Broncos now, you've got to have a fallback plan there. Um, it just got reported as we're recording this field that Quentin Jefferson from Seattle, he's agreed to a deal with the Bills. He had been rumored to be having some conversation with the Broncos. So I think for me, as you're finishing up this free, this first wave of free agency, you've got to figure out an answer there on the defensive line because, you know, Derek Wolf is a free agent. Shelby Harris is a free agent. Adam Gontis is a free agent. Uh, Mike Parcell is a restricted free agent that they're trying to work something out with reportedly. So, you know, I would have liked to get two guys there, but at the very least, I think you need to, to find one. Um, and then, yeah, it's just been interesting because some of these top linebackers that you thought they might target, they're all off the board. Um, nobody's really picked up any receivers yet outside of these trades that we saw. And then, uh, you know, running back has been quiet as well. So it, 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 maybe not as much of a splash fill as we thought. Yeah, exactly. I think that that was uh, maybe the expectation heading into things. But, you know, in uh, Broncos country, it's in John Elway we trust. So um, maybe he has a little bit of a plan here on how he wants to attack some of these positions. We've seen the Broncos have a lot of success with guys that you've never even heard of before. You know, a guy like Shelby Harris, not a household name before he comes to Denver and then fills in and, uh, you know, plays a, a major role for the Broncos. A guy like uh, Mike Purcell comes in and has a great season last year. So maybe the Broncos have their eye on some of these second-wave guys not necessarily feeling the need to go out and, you know, reportedly DJ Reader has become the highest-paid nose tackle of all time. So maybe they don't feel like they need to spend that kind of money there. Right, and, you know, last year when they signed Kareem Jackson, I don't think anybody was jumping up and down saying, oh, wow, they got him, that's a huge name. But he ended up being their most valuable free agent signing. They got Bryce Callahan in that second wave, and I know that he didn't end up playing, but he could be a valuable player for them this year. And the other thing I'd say just to kind of reassure Broncos fans who are like, wow, we haven't done anything. You've got to consider Justin Simmons as a free agent signing because he's going to command top dollar, perhaps the largest contract by any safety ever. So you've got to count him as a free agent. And then I think you also have to count E.J. Boye, who the Broncos reportedly have traded for. You know, he's got a contract of more than $10 million a year. So I think if you look at it as a class of Justin Simmons, E.J. Boye, and uh, Graham Glasgow, then if you can add maybe one more big name and then fill in around those guys, that's where I think you've got a, a decent class. So maybe not the way people wanted to think about it, but if you do use that lens, then you know you can end up kind of talking yourself into it. Yeah, and I, I agree with you there too, Eric, and I also think that the longer play here for the Broncos is building through the draft. And yeah. we know that this is a pretty young team, and we think that they're going to be in position to contend for the playoffs next year, especially with uh, a seventh team from each conference getting a spot there. So we think that they're going to be in that kind of a mix next season, and you want to continue to build through the draft if you're in that position where you're not spending crazy amounts of money on a guy when – you're a pretty young team, and you want to continue to build a nucleus of guys who are going to be with the Broncos for the foreseeable future. So 
The Broncos have a ton of draft picks. I I would imagine them to be aggressive. I think that they might have like 27 draft picks, Eric. 27. So, yeah, something like that. Yeah, something uh, like that. So there's no way they're going to be able to pick, use all those picks and have these guys make the team. So I, I, I imagine that they'll probably package some of these things up, be pretty aggressive in the draft, and build the roster that way. Um, but there, there's no doubt that they're going to have to find some hidden gems here in the second wave of free agency. Yeah, and I wouldn't expect them to be done by any means just because you can't sign one guy and be done. So, you know, maybe that's a, a Michael Pierce from the Ravens. You know, maybe it's a an offensive lineman who's still out there. Maybe it's a, a receiver who's not generating much attention to give you some flexibility in the draft. But, yeah, you just – I think you've got to find – like you said, find these second wave guys, and if you do that, you'll be okay. And you get to the draft. And another uh, another R I've talked to, Phil said that maybe the Broncos, if they're there at fifteen, they consider trading back again to pick up an extra second round pick. Um, you know, we talked about using some of that capital to move up, but maybe you're able to move down a few spots. We saw John Elway do that last year, so um, certainly not done by any means, but. Maybe not the start that we we thought could could happen, and it's always like that, isn't it? You know, everybody we've talked about this, Phil. Everybody has a wish list for free agency, and the issue is teams have the same players on those wish lists. So, unless you're the Miami Dolphins this year, you don't get everybody. Exactly, the Miami Dolphins have gone all in on free agency. They've made all the huge signings, and you know the thing is, uh, like when the Broncos had Peyton Manning. And they were in win the Super Bowl now mode. Then you're that's the time when you go out and make those huge free agent signings where you're like, if we just get one piece here, then we're going to be in the mix to win it all. And right. I don't necessarily think the Broncos are one defense alignment away from winning it all. I mean, you just I, com- I completely agree. So so maybe you're not necessarily in that mode where you're like, we just need to get just a DJ reader and we're going to be in the mix. And so you just got to be smart about how, what kind of money you're spending. Make sure that you have a long-term plan there where, hey, if Drew Locke continues to develop the way everybody in Broncos country wants him to develop, then maybe it's next offseason where you're like, okay, uh, we made a huge step last year. Now we need to fill in the roster and we'll make a run here. So uh, I bet you that that's more of the mindset right now. Yeah, and, I mean, you look at some of these holes, you still need a third cornerback. You might want to upgrade at linebacker. You still need someone to play either center or guard. You need maybe someone to complement Philip Lindsay. There's lots of pieces there that still need to get filled in. And so I think what I respect is somebody that sticks to their plan and that doesn't see DJ Reader get, you know, however many million dollars from the Bengals and say, we got to beat that. We got to get this guy. You stick to your number, kind of like you stick to your board in the draft. And if it doesn't work out, you go and you, you go to your next plan. And so, like you said, because they're not one guy away, I think this is the prudent way to build a team. And then whether it's next year, whether it's the year after that, they've still got three years left of Drew Locke on his rookie contract. So there should be time to to go all in. Exactly. And uh, as we uh, look around the rest of the league, there's now one team that does seem like they're all in and they're in win now mode. Suddenly the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in win now mode, Eric. Because they have Bruce Arians as their head coach. 
Exactly. So I, and when you got a stylish head coach like that, you're always looking to win the Super Bowl. Right. Yeah, they um, are reportedly the destination for Tom Brady. Um, not sure I would have predicted that before the season. Yeah, I already saw T-shirts being sold online. Uh, him, you know, uh, with that famous uh, Buccaneer logo uh, with a knife in between his uh, teeth. Uh, pr- pretty uh, awesome T-shirt. If you- I almost bought one. Almost? Almost, yeah. Uh, okay. I'm not sure if I could wear that around the facility, though. <laughs> Probably not. Uh, but but uh... The-, the news for the Broncos is that uh, he is no – Tom Brady – Used to be an arch nemesis. 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 There we go. I I've forgotten how to speak English here. So pre agency takes a toll. Uh, and it's just me and my wife uh, in isolation here, so I don't know how to talk anymore. No, I feel bad for her. <laughs> but uh, you know, the Broncos' former arch nemesis, no longer in the same conference which means that uh, he can no longer uh, get in the way of Super Bowl dreams. That's true. It does seem a little um, unfair that the Broncos have to play four NFC teams next year, and Tom Brady's going to be on one of them. Exactly. He will be playing at Empower Field at Mile High when the uh, Buccaneers uh, make their way to Denver. Right, and you know the Broncos would have played him either way probably because – Denver goes to New England this year. Um, I, I don't think the Broncos have faced Brady since 2017, if I'm remembering correctly. That so is, it's been, that's correct. It's been a little bit of a gap here. Um, but it'll just be interesting. You know, he had reported offers from the Chargers um, as well as the Bucks, And, you know, on first glance, maybe you think the Chargers are the better option because of their weapons. But when you look at the divisions, you know, the Panthers are in complete rebuild mode. They're looking to find a trade partner for Cam Newton. They've gotten rid of some offensive linemen. Um, you know, Greg Olson is gone. So they're going to be in rebuild mode. The Falcons had a surge at the end of last year, but they weren't all that great and missed the playoffs. And then the Saints, so I don't know where you stand on them, but they kind of looked a little shaky toward the end of last year and definitely not um, as much of a powerhouse as you maybe would have expected. Uh, well, uh, I picked the Saints to make it to the Super Bowl last year, so. Uh, well, so we we were not on the same page then. I uh, I do think that hey Drew Brees reportedly uh, agreeing to come back to New Orleans. That's going to be a fun matchup to watch now twice a year. Tom Brady go against Drew Brees, and you know the other thing to mention here is that uh, gone are the days where these iconic players now finish up their career in one spot. You know, uh, it took some time, I'm sure, for fans to get used to seeing Peyton Manning in a Broncos jersey, and it's certainly going to take some time to see uh, Tom Brady wear a Buccaneers jersey. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think nobody's happier than the rest of the AFC East. Finally, uh, it seems like maybe there's going to be a little bit of an opening there, but... Yeah, for Brady, it sounds like uh, he made some of the decision based off of some family, uh, you know, stuff going on there where he wanted to stay on the East Coast. Uh, so that definitely probably weighed into his decision, and also probably a chance to get to work with an offensive mind like Bruce Arians. You know, I'm sure Peyton Manning has talked to Tom Brady 
about what it's like to work with a coach like Arians. And it'll be just fun to see. I'm just going to be fascinated to see Brady outside of the New England system. What's he going to look like when he's no longer uh, coached by Bill Belichick? And then the same, uh, what is Bill Belichick like without Tom Brady? We've seen him do that without Matt, without him when Tom Brady got hurt and Matt Castle came in. But now Belichick is going to have an offseason to work with a new quarterback and have a, a new way to attack the season for the first time in 20 years without Tom Brady. Yeah, and I think that that'll be the most interesting thing is where do they go at the quarterback position? Do they you know, try to sign Jameis Winston? Do they go with Jared Stidham? Do they draft somebody? Um, is there another free agent option or trade candidate? Uh, I do think Brady, you know, he's got probably the the benefit of having more offensive weapons. You know, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, O.J. Howard, they've got a pretty good setup down there. Um, but Belichick, I've always thought that he's kind of the, you know, it, it's close because Brady is, I think it's hard to say he's not the most accomplished quarterback of all time. Maybe not the most talented, but the most accomplished yeah, but I've sure. always I've always thought that Belichick is kind of the the guy behind all that success, and so I, I don't know, Phil. I don't know what you think, but I would still expect Belichick to compete for for a playoff bid next year. And for anyone thinking that the Patriots are just going to curl up, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, well, it is going to be interesting to just see what happens here because uh, the uh, at least on the offensive side of the ball, they were. Pr- pretty depleted there by the end of last season. Uh, we saw the the Patriots go from having a first-round bye to falling out of that and playing in the wild-card weekend and then losing at home to the Titans. So uh, whatever was going on there at the end of last season, it was pretty drastic change from what we're used to seeing in New England. And, uh, yeah, you're right, Eric. We're going to find out. It, who who came first here, the chicken or the egg? You know, is oh. uh, is uh, is Tom Brady? You know, is all of his success just based off of the system he had there in New England? Uh, I don't think so personally. I think, uh, like you mentioned, he's the most accomplished quarterback in NFL history. So I think that he's going to prove that this year. And then the same, I agree with you too. I think that. We talked about this, uh, Eric. Bill Belichick wakes up and wins 10 games. So, right. I, uh, I think that both are going to be able to have continued ex- continued success, but maybe it's not going to be quite the same as uh, these two, uh, a marriage that ends after 20 years. Yeah, and I think at least if you're a Patriots fan, which hopefully no one listening to this podcast is, at least you don't have to see Tom Brady go to the New York Jets or go to the – you know, the Giants or something like that. I know the Giants weren't necessarily in it, but, you know, the Buccaneers are not a rival. It's not going to hurt you to see him, you know, play for a team like the way that... And it was kind of the same thing when Peyton signed with the Broncos for Colts fans. I mean, the Broncos were not a natural rival of the Colts despite being in the same conference. So um, it'll be interesting. I did think I got a question today from a fan who asked, where would Brady have ranked among Elway's free agent signings and I think it would have been hard for him to get any higher than number five or so behind Peyton and then those four guys from the class of 2014 just because you've got to think he has three seasons left at most maybe he makes one Pro Bowl 
unless he wins a Super Bowl, it's going to be hard to pass guys like Akeem Tlaib, Demarcus Ware, and Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, yeah, pr- probably uh, just because the Broncos won the Super Bowl with all those guys. But the one thing is, is when you bring in a guy like Tom Brady, as the Broncos did when they brought in a guy like Peyton Manning, everything changes. Uh, like the business side there, all of a sudden the Buccaneers are not going to have any problems trying to sell any sweets. You know, uh, all of the advertising that goes on in Tampa is going to be all about Tom Brady. Uh, the culture in the building, I imagine that it's going to change. And, uh, you know, a rising tide uh, rises all, all boats. boats. So um, I don't th- I don't necessarily think that a guy like maybe Akeem Tlaib or Emmanuel Sanders had that big of an impact. But um, I agree that uh, when you win a Super Bowl with guys, that kind of heightens their – impact that they made as a free agent signing but Tom Brady is going to have a tremendous impact in Florida he you know he's just going to change everything about not only the state the the city of Tampa but that entire division now because you mentioned those other teams all of a sudden they're saying holy cow we got to deal with this guy so the impact of uh, bringing in arguably the greatest quarterback of all time is going to be uh, have its ripple effects throughout. Does he win a Super Bowl there? See, uh, I think the NFC is just so stacked. I mean, uh, you mentioned New Orleans there, but the rest of the NFC is so strong that it's going to be really interesting to see how he handles playing in a different conference. So, yeah. What? So, I don't. I think maybe the the best he does is get to an NFC championship one yeah. year. I think that, I think that's probably my the best I expect. Like it's it's that's like that danger where you're like, I just never want to say that he's done or like he can't do what he's been doing. Yeah, I'm just so scared to be like, there's no way. But I mean, when you talk about what's going on in Seattle, you talk about what's going on with uh, the defending NFC champs in San Francisco. Uh, you look at the North with the Packers and what they were able to do in Matt LaFleur's first season there. Uh, you think that you would expect Minnesota to be right back there. The NFC is just so strong. Yeah, I think that that's fair. And, um, you know, the Super Bowl is in Tampa this year. No team has ever played in a Super Bowl in its home stadium. So, you know, that's either a good sign or Brady's about to make a lot of history. Yeah, maybe that's what that maybe that was it. He's just said, I I've accomplished everything that's possible except this one feat of uh, playing in my home stadium in the Super Bowl. So he had to change teams. Yeah, I don't think uh, Gillette was hosting any Super Bowls up there in February. Yeah, when you, are you talking about when it's like minus fifteen with the wind chill? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't think so. No, that's football weather. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, well, hopefully, uh, everyone listening has uh, bared with us as we uh, go through these uh, audio challenges, uh, doing the podcast over the phone. But Eric, uh, we had some more over the phone stuff going on with uh, you and Brandon McManus. Yeah, that's about as good of a tease as you can get. Yeah, did you like yep. that? A nice little transition there. Huh? That was nice. Yeah, as we uh, mentioned earlier, the Broncos donated 100,000 meals 
to the food bank of the Rockies and Brandon chips in with another 20,000. Uh, some really generous support there is some people in our community are dealing with the uncertainty of coronavirus and how that's going to impact their ability to, to get food and to survive, frankly. So we, we chatted with Brandon about that and about a whole lot more. And Brandon, I know you've got a big announcement here uh, as we kind of deal with this pandemic that's going around the coronavirus. Yeah, uh, obviously it's a, a crazy time uh, for everybody. And uh, obviously, uh, you know, hopefully the health and, and safety of everyone uh, is obviously that most important for everybody. And, you know, it's changed the, the realm of the sports world, as we've all seen. And, um, you know, I started my foundation project McManus last year and, um, you know, I never want to see, you know, pandemics like this, but, you know, this is kind of why I wanted to start my foundation in situations like this to help in uh, people in need. So, uh, you know, we're excited to, uh, project McManus is excited to partner with the Denver Broncos. We'll be donating, um, $120,000 meals, um, for at-risk youth and at-risk um, adults uh, t- uh, dealing with uh, the coronavirus who, you know, don't know where their next meal might be coming from. And Brandon, what was it that made you want to decide to make a donation to the, de- to the Denver community? Obviously, you're involved quite a bit, but why was this the right time for you? Yeah, I think, you know, in our... our um our statement, uh, foundation statement, you know, is to help, um, obviously here in the community that, you know, we've been a part of now for seven years and, um, all, you know, all the at-risk youth and disadvantaged kids that we can uh, help in, in, in dire needs. And obviously this being a dire need that you know, we're facing right now, um, you know, with the schools being closed here and, um, helping, um, you know, a lot of kids who, who go there, their only meals that they get are, are breakfast and lunch from the school. So being able to provide uh, the meals for them, uh, not you know, their, their families, they're not worried about where uh, they get the funds for these meals uh, was a big thing that, uh, you know, we wanted to do. What exactly is it about the Food Bank of the Rockies that drew you to them and kind of made you realize that was the cause you wanted to support? Yeah, well, they're well-versed in, in the whole community itself. Um, you know, it doesn't just you know, find one, one location and just do, you know, a soup kitchen here or, um, you know, a rescue mission that, that there's the food, you know, they spread their fingers all the way out to a lot of different organizations, which I like, which is similar to uh, my foundation. And, um, obviously doing the, uh, taste of the Broncos every year, which benefits the food bank of the Rockies, which I hosted last year. Um, and I've been, uh, every year before, you know, I've had a great relationship with them. So, um, I know that, uh, what they're doing is, is is great work, and I know that um, us being a part of them will will help you know provide these families and, and kids in, in need with, with meals. Well, we obviously appreciate that donation, Brandon, and I'm sure this year's Taste of the Broncos will be hugely important. Um, hopefully, we've moved past the worst of the virus by then. Uh, Brandon, what's your what's your message to the community for people who are looking for ways to help right now? Yeah, I think you can obviously reach out to, to me if you would like or our foundation or the Broncos themselves have a community department that will, will fund uh, calls and uh, the Food Bank of the Rockies is one that uh, I suggest or um, the Denver Public School System has a, a I guess, a, a coronavirus um, department right now that they're working with to uh, receive uh, meals and, and money as well. And, uh, it, it's tough for our community right now, obviously, with a lot of things closing, people are missing out on work and um, it, it makes it helps support some of the local businesses that are still still open and um, you know help help keep uh, our community strong and 
Um, you know, one thing that you know I think is key, obviously, with where this virus is targeting, is that we need to check on our elderly, elderly neighbors and um, you know people with young kids and, and see if they need any of our help. And we've seen uh, people across the sports world step up so far. So, thank you, Brandon, for joining them. Uh, shifting gears just a bit, we saw today that the collective bargaining agreement between the NFLPA and the NFL was ratified. It was passed by a narrow margin. Uh, as the player rep, what was your reaction to, to seeing that news today? Yeah, I think it was pretty consistent, I guess, you know, of the, of the months and months of what, uh, you know, we've been negotiating and going through and the talks. Um, uh, I figured it was going to be a close yes, and it, it truly was, uh, by 60 votes. And, you know, I think it's it, it's it's a great deal for a lot of players. Um, I know there's a lot of things in the deal that um, I myself still don't like and a lot of the players across the league don't like. But um, at the end of the day, you know, it, it, we went through the democratic process and, you know, it turned out to be a majority vote of a yes. And um, like I said, there's still a lot of great things in that, in that will help instantaneously. Immediately, a lot of players are going to see a lot of benefits uh, in, into their benefit packages, into um, their minimum salaries, which will be increased from rookies all the way to vet minimum players by at least $100,000. Um, there's a lot of things across the board um, that were good that we didn't even have in, in the previous deal. So, um, you know, we have the labor piece for 10 years, which is, which is great, um, you know, for fans, uh, for owners, and for players. And, you know, we look forward to... Uh, you know, putting out a great product again, as we always do. Brandon, you were as involved as any player. What were the challenges of being the, the Broncos player rep during a negotiation like this that, you know, kind of came down to the wire here before the start of the new league year? Yeah, I mean, it depends on what you consider a challenge and, and something that, uh, to me, is it was exciting. Uh, I had a great time doing this, and it was, truly was awesome to be, you know, nominated to be a player rep and then to, to – you know, be the rep during this time period of going through the negotiations. And um, I said one of the biggest things was when I really hunkered down and got to the nitty and gritty here about trying to get the deal passed and get the deal, you know, passed down to all the players voted on was, you know, it was a lot of travel. Um, you know, I was in Miami for meetings and I went to LA the next week. Then uh, I was supposed to go to DC and I was in DC and we were on these four hour conference calls, you know, every two days, three days about arguing about stuff. Then um, I was in vacation in Mexico. Then I had to fly into Indy to vote, and then you know went back. So and then we were just in Miami for the annual meetings to help you know push you know not push. We were helped to educate the rest of the players who are still indecisive of which way they wanted to vote. Um, and like I said, it, it was an awesome time to be a part of this. Um, you know, obviously, all we've known is, is playing football growing up, and in college, you know, you're a student athlete, and you go to school, and it's awesome. Well, obviously, when you get to the NFL, there's a lot more business involved into the whole thing. Um, you know, it's a sport that we truly love to play still, uh, but, you know, it is an entertainment business when we get to this point. And we saw some speculation there toward the end of the week that maybe the coronavirus kind of shifted some players into that yes category. Just from a, a perspective as a sports fan, Brandon, what's it been like to see these nationwide cancellations over the last week? No March Madness. I know you're a golf guy. Uh, I think you yeah. caddied the par three last year. No Masters, at least for right now. What was yeah. What's that been like for you to see? 
Yeah, I think it, it, it's tough because I think sports, you know, provides a lot of people with, um, you know, positive things, uh, something to look forward to if, if they're struggling with, with certain things. And um, it gives them something to root for, whether it's their team in, you know, certain sports. Um, but, you know, I truly understand that, you know, economy-wise, we're in a tough position right now. Um, health-wise, we're, a lot of people are at risk. And um, it's the right thing to do. Um, to help, you know, prevent it truly affecting a lot of people here in the United States. And I know it's a super difficult decision to do a lot of these things. And um, I know we wish um, it didn't come to the United States like the way it did and, and you know, how, I guess, uh, voraciously it's attacking us now, continuing to climb. But I think they did the right thing in, in, you know, helping to prevent it not spread and hopefully, you know, to isolate a lot of people from, from getting it. Um, but, like I said, this, you know, sports are a lot of things that, and I, obviously I'm a huge sports fan, as you said, and I love to watch in, uh, love watching every sport on TV. And, um, I know, I know a lot of people are upset about it, but, um, I think it was the right thing to do. Was the Masters the hardest one for you to see personally get postponed? No, I, no, I think March Madness is, is, is an awesome thing for the whole country. You know, it, like I said, it brings so many uh, alumni together to watch and root for their teams, and um, even the people who didn't, teams who didn't make it, always rooting for the Cinderella stories. And each and every year, I think March Madness is probably more difficult than any any other sport, probably being canceled or postponed. From a football perspective, how much do you allow yourself to think about? how this could impact the rest of the offseason. I mean, players are supposed to report here for uh, the offseason program in a little more than a month. Do you allow you yourself? Me, I think the players would love not to push the offseason back more. <laughs> what, uh, but, what kind of impact could that have, um, do you think, moving forward here? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I wish uh, – you know, I don't. I'm not as well versed. I, I was a biology pre med major in college and got my degree in that, but I'm not well versed into the infectious diseases and you know the CDC what they're going through. So I'm not sure exactly the time frame that they're talking um, for. And uh, obviously, I hope it doesn't get too far into um, you know that becomes an issue for you know for you know us preparing for hopefully a run to get back to the Super Bowl. And um, like I said, obviously the players. Would enjoy a little bit more time off, especially phase one and phase two, and there's not not much, you know, real football going on on the fields. You know, once you get to the um, OTAs and the mini camp, you know, there's a little more action going. So hopefully, you know, we'll have it all fixed by then. Hopefully, and I, I think Vic would probably miss it a little bit if uh, everybody wasn't back here in April. But hopefully, <laughs> that gets sorted out sooner or later. Uh, last one for you, Brandon. We saw the news on Friday that the Broncos officially picked up your option. Um, how glad are you to be back in Denver for another season and? What are you kind of looking to prove? It doesn't seem like that long ago that you had a contract extension here. Yeah, no, it, it's it's always awesome to um, obviously be validated, uh, you know, that you're wanted, especially, you know, a team that, you know, this will be my seventh year here already, which, you know, time flies. But, um, no, it's been great, you know, always to, to be working here. Um, obviously, it's been, you know, it's been difficult you know, at times, um, you know, there's definitely some kicks that obviously I'd like back and some kicks that obviously, you know, I was excited about making. And, um, you know, through seven years to get, you know, be here, um, I have four special teams coordinators, um, two long snappers, 
maybe a third coming in. We'll see. Um, and have four punters and to have one kicker throughout this whole time has been uh, obviously a good run for me and uh, excited about the future. Well, Brandon, uh, thanks for kind of sharing some some light there on the vote for the CBA and your reaction to uh, to being back in Denver, but most of all, of course, making that donation to Food Bank of the Rockies and for joining us here. Thank you. Appreciate you having me. Like Brandon mentioned there, he's made some really big kicks during his time in Denver, 10 for 10 during that Super Bowl run in the postseason. Uh, excited to see what's next for Brandon. I think just all but assures that he'll be back for the 2020 season. And so, uh, more importantly than that, you know, just nice to see them, both the Broncos and Brandon, make an impact in the community. Yeah, especially, you know, right now, uh, it seems like uh, making sure that everybody has the opportunity to get food and uh, figure out a way to uh, be able to have a meal every day, uh, it's going to be crucial moving forward. Even uh, if you can afford it, things are just gone at the grocery store. So uh, important to be able to uh, help out people who are in need right now. So uh, good for the Broncos to be able to do that. And also uh, McManus being able to chip in there too. So uh, a nice deal there. And Eric, you also had a chance to ask him about the CBA too, huh? Yeah, and like he was saying, I think he kind of understands that there are things he's not going to like. There's things certain players aren't going to like. But the, the bottom line is that it, it is good for a lot of players and you know, more importantly for fans, which he touched on, you know, we're not going to miss any games. You've got until through the 2030 season with labor peace. And that's a big deal in terms of growing the game from a television standpoint, growing the game. You know, who knows how games are going to be, you know, broadcasted in 2030. They could all be on Twitter or you know, Facebook or Twitch or something that hasn't been TikTok. Maybe exactly. the game's on TikTok. It could be on TikTok, which I would be very happy about. <laughs> you would be. Fifteen, but, you know, each plays a different talk. Exactly. Tick. You just had to, like, keep cycling through. I think that right. would be uh, difficult to watch a game that way. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I went, the NFL broadcast deal is up pretty soon here, so that could change. Uh, faster than than just the, it's not ten years out. That's pretty pretty close. Yeah, I believe to, uh, I believe that's twenty twenty two when that. Yeah. Ends. So uh, the way we watch football could be uh, drastically different here pretty soon. But uh, yeah, from the fans' perspective, this is great because you don't have to worry about any missed games. Good for uh, the NFL and the NFLPA to be able to have some foresight here uh, and be able to get a deal done more than one year out and uh, not have to cause any concern for, you know, fans. And then also for employees for all these NFL teams, Uh, you don't have to worry about whether you're going to be furloughed or whatnot. So um, good deal for the NFL and the NFLPA to be able to get this done. Yeah. And it came together pretty quickly. Phil. you know, just a month ago, it didn't seem like, we were anywhere close to a deal. I think McManus even said somewhere that he would be shocked if it was done by the start of the new league year. And it just came together, which is good because, listen, I understand the players when they say, hey, we need long-term health care. It's a dangerous game or we need, you know, we need more minimum salary or we need uh, fewer padded practices or we can't do the 17th game. I get all that. Like, I'm not 
I'm not selling that short by any means, but I also know that people that are working hard and spending money on season tickets or to go to a bar to watch a game, they don't want to see people who are making $5 million a year argue with people that are making, you know, hundreds of million dollars a year. And so I think from an optics standpoint, it's also good that this got done. Yeah, I mean, uh, there was a lot uh, to digest here with the new deal because you're talking about adding a 17th game, uh, you're talking about uh, the expansion of the playoffs. So there's a lot to that was going on here. So uh, hopefully the players feel like they are protected and they got what they wanted because I think that the the way that the league is set up makes it the best. It, it makes the NFL the best sport in America because there's so much competition. Every year you feel like your team has a chance to win it all. And a lot of that reason is because of the way that the league is structured. Um, and sometimes it, that's difficult for players. You know, I mean, you've seen how many guys have been franchise tagged. I think that if you were to ask any other league in America, NBA, MLB, NHL, they would die to have uh, the ability to franchise tag their players. So um, I think that a big reason why the NFL is the greatest sport here in this country is because of the way that the, these deals are structured. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's good for fans to be able to, you know, you, you buy a Justin Simmons jersey when he's a rookie. It's, a, it's good for you to be able to have him around for eight years, ten years, whatever. Same with a Von Miller or, you know, whomever else. Um, but, yeah, I just think that uh, it's good that they worked something out. It doesn't negate the issues that the Players Association was trying to work through. Um, but it was ultimately the best the best case scenario to get this done. Exactly. And uh, now we know that there's definitely going to be football for the next uh, 10 years. So, Erica, you and I will probably uh, can sleep a little bit easier now. That's true. You know, so, as we said on the podcast um, Friday or Saturday, someone's going to have our jobs. Who knows if it'll be us, but someone will. Exactly. Exactly. So, Good so luck that's good to for whoever that, that's that is. That's good for that person. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Eric, I think that we've reached that point in the show where uh, we like to do what's called shout-outs. Oh, that could be nice. Could be nice. Uh, anybody you'd like to shout-out uh, this week as uh, we uh, remain isolated? Um, we don't normally introduce new shout-outs, but I think we could shout-out our new um, – Senior Director Eric Schubert leading the Ooh, there you go. Uh, the Broncos Digital Charge as we head into the new league year. Hopefully some more creative content coming to the neutral zone, coming to um, all platforms as we go ahead. I think Broncos fans are going to be really happy with the type of access that we have and um, the product that we're able to put out for you. Most definitely. Hopefully, hopefully even as uh, we deal with this coronavirus, keeping us all in our homes. Exactly. We're trying... Uh, really hard right now to be able to uh, still bring you Broncos content. Uh, check out uh, at Broncos on Twitter. Check out DenverBroncos.com, our Instagram page. Uh, still trying to be able to bring you the very latest in Broncos news as uh, we do it remotely, Eric. What about at Phil Milani? That's true. You can follow at Phil Milani too. That'd be a good one. Yeah. Uh, Eric, I must tell you that I have started a coronavirus beard. A Isolation coronavirus, beard. Oh, a beard. Isolation beard. So, uh, Got it. Yeah. I've been working on a corona 
virus isolation beard since I turned 15. <laughs> so uh, it's still it's still coming in. My goal is to be able to uh, hopefully someday emerge and then just like sort of look like I've come from the wilderness. Yeah, kind of like Castaway, huh? Exa- exactly, exactly. Uh, ho- hopefully, it's like that because. Uh, yeah, not going into the office has changed a lot of things for me. Right. Well, <laughs> and we, we hope that our friend Tom from Castaway is okay. Yes, uh, Tom Hanks. Did you see how much Vegemite he had on uh, his post? I did not. Yeah, he posted, he posted that he's uh, continuing to recover there, uh, him and Rita Wilson, his wife. So uh, he took a picture because he's down in Australia, and uh, turns out he had way too much Vegemite on his toast. Oh, yeah, uh-oh. yeah, like, uh, like it caused a little bit of a stir there. Follow uh, at Phil Milani for the latest on the Vegemite crisis. Yes, I, I'll have you covered. Um, and then also, you know, shout out wise, uh, Manis, of course, they've been doing big things in the community this week, helping out the community, as we mentioned. Uh, I believe Liz Manis is going to hand out food at Food Bank of the Rockies. Yes. Which they're in desperate need of volunteers and funds. So go to our website, denverbroncos.com. We'll have a page up soon with ways that you can support these various initiatives, Denver Public Schools, um, Children's Hospital Colorado, Vitalant, the, the Blood Center. So lots of good ways that you can help, some remotely, some in person. Exactly. Uh a shout out definitely to Liz Manis. Uh, there's a, a lot of ways that uh, people can help out those in need right now. Uh, it's a tough time for obviously all of our healthcare providers. I think a lot of people know doctors or nurses or whoever, people who are uh, putting their own health on the line when they're trying to help out uh, people in need. So uh, there's a lot of different ways you can help uh, food wise by being able to donate stuff. So we'll have that page up pretty soon. And uh, also uh, had uh, put together a little PSA, including some uh, shout-outs from some Broncos players too. So. Oh, that'll be nice to see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we got that coming you up. You kind of just uh, do it all, huh? I'm trying to just be able to help out on as many ways as I can. Yeah. Yeah, so... All right. Well, uh, hopefully you enjoyed this uh, edition of the Neutral Zone, even though uh, we're doing it remotely, doing it over the phone. Hopefully you could bear with us with uh, the audio issues here. So uh, hopefully you don't notice too much. And hopefully we can provide some entertainment as you just sit on your couch. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, just uh, maybe pretend like you're doing your morning commute and exactly. just put the podcast on. Exactly. Pretend like you're getting ready in the morning and you put on the podcast, and then instead right. of actually going to work, you just go to your living room. Yeah. I don't know what kind of home office you got set up over there, Eric, but I'm just hanging out at the dining room table. Yeah, just a little uh, table in a spare bedroom. Yeah. That's yeah. all I need. That's all you need to do our things. Any, anywhere you can get me my phone and a computer, uh, I'm pretty much good to go. Perfect. Perfect. Well, hopefully uh, everybody enjoyed uh, the latest on uh, free agency, uh, enjoyed some interviews we were able to get with uh, DeMarcus Ware and Brandon McManus, and uh, make sure you uh, check us out a little bit later in the week. We'll be back breaking down everything Broncos free agency 2020, and uh, 
what the Broncos are doing to help uh, get through a difficult time. But until then, for Eric Dalala, I am Phil Milani, and you've been listening to The, the Neutral, Neutral Zone. Zone.